In your Bibles today, I'd like you to turn to Colossians chapter 4. We're on the last chapter now of the book of Colossians. If you need a Bible and don't have a Bible, we want to make sure everybody owns a Bible. So if you don't have one, we actually have Bibles that you can have. There's some on the table over here or some in the back. You can grab those on your way out. Write your name in it. It's yours to keep. It's a good, solid Bible. Sometimes I even preach out of those ones because they're good Bibles. We want everybody to have one so that you can be reading at home as well or following along later on on the CD or on the Internet and you can read it for yourself. But today we're in Colossians chapter four and and we're getting into these sections now where we have a lot of instruction. Do this, do that. But we never want to separate the actions, the things that we're supposed to do from the very basis of the gospel in that through Colossians, as Paul is writing to the small church in the town of Colossae, he's saying, hey, look, Jesus is everything. We started that in the beginning of the book. It says that he created all things, the things you can see and the things you can't see, the things that have power, all the things that are are in your life. He created and then he he died for us and then he created the church of which he has all authority. He's the head. And so we're to submit to him. And now that we are with him, if we have given our lives to him, he saved us by his grace. Now we go on to the action parts, not leaving the goodness of the gospel. But now it's Jesus coming in and through us. This is what it looks like to have Jesus constantly in your life because you are a new creature you're no longer living for yourself it's not just your spirit your body your mind but you are taking on the mind of christ you are taking on the holy spirit now living in you and you are doing the actions of jesus as you live for him so now that we're getting into the do this and do that it's not just you trying to struggle on your own this is what it should look like as jesus is living in and through you as a christian and so we've been talking recently about what it looks like in relationships, specifically of the family with husbands and wives, parents and children. What's it like to go to work and be a boss or an employee? And now we get into some aspects of, of prayer. And so we're in Colossians chapter four, verse two. We're just going to do one verse today. Colossians four, two says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Did you get that? Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So I know it's just a small verse, but there's several nuggets in there. We just kind of need to, to, to hunker down on for a while because they're foundational to prayer life. Now, growing up in the church, we often heard pray more. And sometimes people will come through and say, here's three steps to praying better. Paul says this. Be steadfast in prayer. Some of your translations correctly also translated as be devoted to it. It should be something that you're getting after all the time because you're devoted to it. So let me ask you about some of the other things that you're devoted to. How many of you are devoted to eating? Okay, I think at most hands I've seen you eat. Some of you who didn't raise your hand, you got a lion problem. You can come down later on. We'll pray together. But we're devoted to eating, right? Usually at least three times a day, sometimes fudging on a snack too. You're devoted to those things. Be devoted to that. It's good to eat. The scripture says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That not only should we be devoted to the things that sustain our body, but we should be devoted to the word of God and the things that sustain us in our relationship with him. So you should be devoted to prayer just as you are devoted to eating. 
Let me ask you about something else you're devoted to. How many of you are devoted to breathing? Okay, everybody should be up on that because if you're lying, you're dead. You're literally lying there. You know, this is a this is originally said as a blonde joke, but I'm going to use it as a pastor joke just to take it out of myself. But there was a pastor who was just dumb. Went in to get his hair done one day at the hair, hair salon, the barber, whatever you want to call it. But he, he went in and he had his earphones on. And the barber said, you got you to gotta take those off. He said, I can't take them off or I'll die. The barber says, I can't cut your hair if you got those. You've got to take those off. And the, the dumb preacher said again, I can't take these off or I'll die. The barber said, you're not going to die. Went over there, yanked off the headphones and <laughs> the dumb preacher died. And the barber's thinking, what in the what what is with these headphones? This guy would die if he doesn't listen. He picks them up, puts them in, put in the ears and it says, breathe in, breathe out, <laughs> breathe in. Breathe out. His breathing is something we just kind of eating. Yeah, you kind of schedule that out. You make recipes plan breathing. It's almost that other part of your brain that's just like it's become so natural to you that you don't even have to have the headphones in like the dumb preacher. You just you do it. Your body is devoted to living. Your body is devoted to taking in the oxygen you need and exhaling that which you don't so that the trees can get it or whatever else needs it. But you are devoted to eating and breathing and things that you need. Be devoted to prayer. So you don't need headphones like pray now. Oh, and then pray later and then pray. It's just it's to be constant. It's, It's almost like a conversation that you're in all the time. And you think, well, how, how am I in a prayerful conversation all the time? First of all, let's talk about the conversation you're having. Who are you in prayer to? When you're praying, you're not praying to an idol that can't hear you. Okay, it's not it's not made out of wood or gold. It's it's not just on the other end of a of a smartphone. This is this is God. And the great thing about God is he said, because of what he did in Jesus, not only are you as some distant creature that he's made, but as God in saving you, he brought you close. And he says that those who are his are now his friend. Do you know that when you're praying and devoted in that conversation, you're talking to a friend? And so, you know how it is with a friend. Everybody else, you might have a guard up where you're like, I don't want you to see the hurt and the pain. I don't want you to see all this other stuff that I've got. But with a friend, you kind of let your guard down. You just say, here's here's really what's going on. I want to talk to you about this. And at the same moment, not only are we talking to a friend, but we also in, in the other end, we're also talking to a king. And we come to him in a very humble, respectful way. So we're talking to this friend who's the king who wants to be in a conversation with us. And I don't know about you, but every person that I've ever talked to in conversation, when I talk to them, that's not the end of the conversation, is it? What do we do in conversation? Somebody is talking back to us. When you become gifted at conversation, you're not only somebody who speaks, you're also somebody who learns to listen. In the book of James, it says to you, you should be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to get angry. And that applies also in this conversation that you're devoted to with the king friend. Then in your conversation, we often think of prayers as let me get my prayer request lined up and then let me just talk them to God. 
When in actuality, a conversation that's going on that you're devoted to with God is one also of listening. You get to listen right there to the king. The one who made everything and is in charge of all things. Does he have your ear? Are you devoted to give him not only these ears, but your heart to say, I want to know God, your heart. I want to know how you see my day. I want to know how you see my actions. I want I want to know those things. You should be as devoted to listening as well as speaking to God as you are to eating and breathing. So that's what Paul says. You should be devoted to the conversation that you are having with God. It should be ongoing all the time, just like you're breathing, just like you're eating or anything else that you would be devoted to because he is God. He's changed your life, all of it. Not just prayer request time in church. So he says, be devoted to it. And then it says this. this is, these are some aspects of the prayer. So while you're praying, you're in this conversation. The first one says here, it says being watchful in it. While you're in prayer, you have this opportunity to, to be watchful. Now, the word that's used here is one that, you should, that means that you should be aggressively active at paying attention. You should be very vigilant while you're praying. You should be watching. Watching what? Watching whatever Jesus is watching. You want to take on the eyes of the king to see what he's seeing. Not only what's in you, but what's outside of you. So that when you go off to school, what does Jesus see in school? When you're dealing with heartache, what does Jesus See, in the midst of that heartache and other things, this same word watchful in first Peter says, be watchful. And he's talking about prayer. Be watchful because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. So he's actually saying, be watchful with a spiritual way of watching the way God sees it, because not only are you to see that the devil's there and to resist him. But the scripture talks way more about the beast that's in your chest than Satan. Be watchful of what's going on in your heart, church. See yourself with the eyes that Jesus sees with you. And that's not just saying, oh, you're the worst ever. Because we've been pretty sinful and it could easily go that way. But what God also says is, yeah, but I bought you. And I forgive you. And I love you as a friend. And I'm going to lead you like a king. So he wants us to see as some of you are really trained at watching. You are really, really good at watching. Just not Jesus. You see, we're, we're really good at being watchful. Things that we want to be watchful for. So women, I've seen you when you go into Belks or into some of these other stores and how watchful you are at the sales and at the fashions and at how much you have left on your credit. Okay, you're watching those things because you've trained yourself to think that's an important thing to be watchful for, right? Okay, I haven't actually followed you around in Belks. So some of you are like, that's kind of creepy. He's uh, following me in, in, in Belks. Some of you men, you have a really great gift of being watchful of that deer that's out there in the woods. I mean, you, you're so watchful and vigilant at being a hunter that you will forego your cozy bed next to your wife and you will go out and sleep in the cold all through the night and you're watching. Amen. Who just, that was a woman who said that. You're trying to get rid of your hunter, it sounds like. 
See, we're, we're watchful in ways that we want to be watchful. And you know what? You know, hunters do that all the time. There was an atheist who went out watch, watching, hunting. And he, he sees it. He, he sees the deer of his life and he gets it. A thousand pound deer goes down. And the atheist goes up and says, good Lord. And the Lord says to him, I thought you didn't believe in me. And the hunter said, well, before today, I didn't believe in a thousand pound deer either. (laughs) But we're watchful in the things we want to be watchful for. The Lord says, I want you to be watchful for me. I want you to be watchful of the things that I'm watching. I want you to see what I see, because what I see is different than what your physical eyes, what the world's eyes, what other people's eyes are trying to get you to do. They're being watchful. And we allow other people to watch for us and then tell us what we're to be watched for. That's why we succumb so much to advertising. You say, I don't succumb to advertising. Yes, you do. That's why you're on Facebook. Facebook has created this incredible advertising giant that you can't get rid of because you think that in getting all the information about your friends' lives that's having no effect on you other than connecting with people. No. You know why I know? It's because Facebook is making a ton of money off you. Amen. Amen. And it's not just online, but we're marketed all over the place. We market to one another. And we're watchful in those things. But when it comes to God, we're like, hmm. I'll watch on Sunday morning just before I go watch the NFL. You know, the Lord says, I want you to be watchful all the time. This conversation that you're devoted to, you're to be watching as you're going. You're to be watching in every room you go into. You're to be watching within every relationship you're in, because there is never a moment. God says that I want you apart from me anymore. I want your attention all the time. Be watchful. More watchful than you would be for that deer. More watchful than you would be for that sale. More watchful for anything else in your life. And this watchfulness happens in prayer all the time. Be watchful. Then he goes on and says, not only is there to be watchful, but I love what he says in this. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. That is the attitude at which we approach this throne is with thanksgiving. I I have something to admit. Sometimes I enter into that throne room and I am coming in griping. (laughs) Didn't go my way. Don't understand things. I rant. Because I'm in some kind of hissy. That's not a bad word here in the South, is it? I was afraid maybe I said something wrong. But, I, but I come, the Lord says, when you come in, come with thanksgiving. And so when we come into God's presence, and that should be all the time, we're to constantly be having this attitude of thanksgiving before the Lord. You know what that does? God doesn't need his ego stroked. He's big enough and mighty enough to not need that from us. It doesn't make him feel any better or feel more grown up just because we thank him for all the things that he does. A large part of the thankfulness is the fact that it gets you to see how good he's been to you, how much you depend on him for things. And so that when you go into other items of prayer, you've just realized coming out of Thanksgiving how good he is and that you're about to put before a good God your needs. So come with Thanksgiving. 
Now, here's oftentimes the attitude that we come with for Thanksgiving. And this is a good heads up just as we get into the Thanksgiving month and a big feast we're going to have at the end of the end of the month called Thanksgiving. But when we come before the Lord with Thanksgiving, it's usually this. Thanks for healing my leg. Thanks for giving me this food. Thanks for putting clothes on me. Thanks for giving me a house. Thanks that I wasn't late to the dentist. And so those are all things that God very much probably helps you with. These items that you're thankful for. But I want you to consider maybe how God might receive that and whether that is a true thanksgiving or something that's proper. Consider if Katie, my wife, she came home from Belks, maybe she was doing her shopping, maybe good shopping for the family. She comes home and she's like, honey, I, I saw this sweater. It was going to bring out your eyes. And I thought, you got to have it. And I say, thanks, honey, for the sweater. Later on, she says, hey, I've, I've made this delicious food. Here's this meal that you've... I say, thanks for dinner, hon. Later on, she's like, yeah, I'm feeling really good. I came into a load of money. Here's a car. Is that going to happen anytime? No. Not going to happen in real life. But I'm like... Thanks, honey, for the car. Then she comes up with enough money. She's like, I'm sending you on a vacation. Hopefully you're coming with me, babe. And we're going on vacation. So I've got enough money. I'm sending you on vacation. I say, thanks for the vacation, honey. So I'm like, thanks for the sweater. Thanks for the meal. Thanks for the car. Thanks for the vacation. I'm so thankful for all the things that you've given me. And in the midst of that, I might lose sight of actually being thankful for her. Think God ever gets tired of us just being thankful for all the things, and we've completely forgotten about him. Don't you as a spouse or as a friend love it when somebody comes and just says, I love you for who you are in my life. I love the fact that you love me. I love that you talk with me all the time. I love that you listen to me when nobody else will listen or nobody else will understand. I love that you are you. God loves that too. And so as you come to him with thanksgiving, you can thank him for all those other things. But what I'm going to challenge you in this time is to come and thank him for him. He is so absolutely good. Go through the Psalms and consider all the things that David and the other Psalm writers, as they're singing their hearts out for God, they are thanking him for. Rarely do you find them saying, Thank you for the car. Now, I know they didn't have cars back then, but what I'm saying is they're always just like, we are so overwhelmed with how good you are. It's you, God. It's you. I want to thank you for you. They say, Jason, okay, devotion and prayer in this conversation where I'm not only talking, but I'm also listening and it's happening all the time and I'm to be watchful in my heart and I'm coming with Thanksgiving. Give me a way to make this happen. Give me some one, two, three steps. And you know what? I, I, I can't do that. But I, I want to set a frame of mind for you. Maybe that will help. A good friend of me, uh, a friend of mine uh, told me this. She said, consider your opportunity of prayer with God like you're going and just sitting at a big table meal with him. And you're sitting there with the king, your friend, and you just can't get enough of listening to him. 
and you don't even want to leave the table. It's like you're there. He's feeding you. He man, he's just fulfilling and satisfying every need that you have in your life. And you don't want to leave the table. Then don't leave the table. You in this life are living a constant meal with God as you live. And he is feeding your spirit and feeding your life. Don't leave the table. Do you know that one of the most common psalms that we have all the time, and we use it a lot of times for funerals, but people will quote all the time, it'll be on our bulletins. And it says this little phrase in there in Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. I think David was in that place with God. Even though he was isolated out with other sheep in the wilderness, and he's like, Lord, you've prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He was with God. He says, my cup runs over. With what? Well, in Scripture, there's two cups put forward. One is one you don't want to drink. It's called the wrath of God. And the Scripture says that at the end of time, those who are not with God, who are far apart in relationship, have never been forgiven, they will drink the wrath of God unless... Their heart has been changed and they've been forgiven by Christ because by Christ dying on the cross, the scripture says that he drank the wrath of God for you. The cool thing is, is that if Jesus drank the wrath of God for you and you, you won't suffer that to come, he's going to save you. He's going to take you home with him. The cool thing is you get the second cup and the second cup is this. In Psalm 116, it says that it's the cup of salvation. You're saved. You've prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. They will all be drinking the cup of wrath. You will destroy Satan, sin and death and throw it into nothingness. But you, God, have given me the cup of salvation. So I can sit at the table and just be with you. Listen to you and love you. Trust in you. And watch with you. Be devoted to you. Doesn't that sound good? I ask you this, is is that your life? Is that a picture of your life with God? You ever have those days where you get to the end of the day and you're like, man, I don't don't know if I thought about Jesus at all today. Except for the three times I prayed for the meal that I was devoted to. You ever get there? I think we all do it. We get caught up, world's going, schedules, homework. And then we're like, Where was Jesus in all that? I think he was there. Were you there? The Lord wants to be constant in us. And the good thing we see about Jesus, he showed us what it was like. You never see him when he's going through his life saying, where's dad? Where's the spirit? No, they were in constant unity, constant communication, constant togetherness. Are you there? Is that your life? That should be a good thing. Hopefully I don't say, oh, man, I got to pray all the time. I thought I could just get out of it by saying a prayer request on Sundays. I thought I thought when we had the slide up there that said prayer request, that was just the time that you pray. No, we've condensed prayer to a momentary uh, amount of time in our services and Sunday schools. And God says, no, it's, it's, it's all the time. Be devoted to it. 
when you come together and share, that's just getting to do it together. You're sitting at the table with other other people in the family. If your prayer life in your life just doesn't look like that, then here's my suggestion. You know those moments when you can't breathe and you will do anything to get a breath? Somebody's holding you under the water, you've got asthma, and you just you will do anything to get to the place of breathing again. Go that quickly into a devoted life of prayer. A constant conversation with the Lord. The Lord didn't come down and die on a cross and raise again to save us so that we could have these momentary items to tell him or that one day in the future, we'll catch up with you, Jesus. We'll see you in eternity, buddy. He wants it. He wants you now. Is he sitting at a table with an empty chair? Today, you might need to pull up that chair. And it's a constant practice thing, but just say, I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus. I'm going to talk with him. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to be watchful with him. Jesus, what do you see? What do you see at church? Was, was Jason preaching the word? Go, go read. That's a good way to learn how to watch like Jesus. He'll tell you what to watch for. But begin to pull that seat up to the table and say, I want to stay here with Jesus. Today as we close, and, and we're going to close in a song today, and, and I don't want that to be a moment of just like, let's just have a prayer and then get out of here because the restaurant's calling. My, my other devoted thing is calling. This is an opportunity for us to just say, Lord, pause the rest of my life so I can be devoted to you. You know that as we talked about devotion to food, God said there's actually a practice that we can do. There's something we could do called fasting. Where you put away other things that might be distracting you from being completely devoted to God in prayer. And so put off any other thing in life until in this moment you say, I just I've got to be close to him. I want to be devoted. I want to be in prayer with Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and my friend.